When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Ghost Maps was recorded on Audio-Technica mics. Ghost Maps Entry 19 Ishun, Singapore Rose shifts uncomfortably in her seat as a gust of wind blows the burnt remains of Joss paper across a nearby field. A single mother of a two-year-old, Rose explains that she was never really a believer of the supernatural. She's not a skeptic though, but as she puts it with a sardonic laugh, who has time to think of ghosts? Rose's father had passed away when she was 15. As the oldest daughter to a mother with health problems and no qualifications, it fell on Rose to be the family's new breadwinner. It wasn't easy, of course, but now, as a mother herself, just the thought of seeing her son in the evenings makes her workdays breeze by. There's another reason, besides her little boy, that she prefers to head back directly after work though, especially during this month. A sweeper comes by and starts to gather up the Joss paper. Rose exhales a breath I didn't realize she'd been holding in. She'd given me a rough idea of what had happened to her when we spoke on the phone last week. And with the Hungry Ghost Month coming to a close soon, it's only just struck me how appropriate it is that she picked today to tell her story. I place my recorder on the table. She shifts uncomfortably again, but I give her a reassuring smile. She nods as confidently as she can, and only then do I switch the recorder on and ask her to start from the beginning. It was the year 2005. Rose was walking back from Ishun Interchange after her usual Thursday afternoon shift at the cafe she worked at. Between school around her neighborhood in the morning and waitressing in town immediately after, all she would normally want to do at this time of night was head home, have dinner, and call it a day. As she got closer to her flat, though, she heard what she describes as 80s-sounding Taiwanese rock coming from a car park nearby. Wailing guitars, fast-paced drums, and echoey, overly dramatic vocals. She smiled to herself. While some of her neighbours complained about the noise during the Hungry Ghost Month, Rose always enjoyed the sounds of the annual Gertai shows. She didn't know anything about 
the actual traditions or what the lyrics of the songs even meant. But that year in particular, the relatively old school music reminded her of her late father and his own penchant for 80s rock. Tired as she was, she decided to take a detour and finally check out a Gertai show for the first time ever. Rose stood entranced at the back of the gathered crowd under the candy-striped tentage, just taking in, well, everything. The only thing brighter than the blinding lights beaming down on the stage at the front were all the bold colours, from the strikingly red plastic chairs to the performers' matching mango-yellow outfits. Rose scanned the crowd for a free seat until she spotted one at the corner of the first row. She was hesitant to take it at first, partly because of how loud the music was even all the way at the back of the crowd, but also because she had this feeling that it would be wrong somehow. Still, she'd just finished a six-hour shift, most of which she'd spent on her feet. So, while trying not to draw attention to herself, she briskly headed to the front, took the seat, made herself comfortable, and turned her attention to the stage. It was then that she noticed that the lead singer of the band, a woman in her late 40s with big hair and a face caked with makeup, was glaring at her. Not angrily, but almost as if she was trying to warn her of something. Rose looked around to see if the singer's glare could have been directed at someone else. That's when she realized that a couple of other people in the crowd were staring disapprovingly at her. And that, aside from her, the whole first row was completely empty. Recognizing that she had just committed some kind of faux pas, Rose got up, scurried off as quickly and quietly as she could. On her way back home, Rose couldn't shake the feeling that someone was following her. She tried to chalk it up to the unwelcoming reception she'd received at the Gertai show. But she knew it was something more than that. Every few steps, she turned her head. But of course, there was never anyone there. Eventually, she reached home where her mum and sister, Hannah, were waiting for her so they could have dinner together. It was one of the things that her mother had been insistent on since Rose's father had passed that they'd always have dinner as a family. When they were together, her mother had said, that's when his spirit was strongest. Rose wasn't so sure about that. 
she never felt her father's presence in any way during their family meals, or even when all three of them slept together on her parents' queen-size bed. Another habit they recently developed to comfort their mother. That night, though, while Rose certainly felt safer once she'd reached home, she could definitely sense a presence of some kind waiting outside their flat for her. She would take a peek or two out through their front gate, but just like on her walk back, she didn't see anything or anyone. After dinner and a bit of television, the family retired to their mother's room, where they turned in for the night. Rose, on the left of the bed, near the nightstand, Rose's mother in the middle, and Hannah on the right, near the window. Everything was quiet until around three in the morning, when Rose was awoken by the sound of her sister sobbing softly. She figured Hannah was crying over their father. Her grief was still fresh. After all, since it hadn't even been a year since he'd passed. Rose was about to get up to comfort her when Hannah hissed under her breath. Cut. No. Hannah had been woken up a few minutes earlier by the sensation of someone lightly dragging their nails along her arm. At first, Hannah assumed it was just a breeze from the window. But then, she heard a voice whisper, Rose, Tainali, where is Rose? Her eyes shot open. There was no one next to her. But she felt an unnatural chill by her ear. Again, the whisper. Rose, Tainali. It sounded angrier this time. Almost as if to confirm Hannah's suspicions, she felt the fingernails along her arm again. But this time, they were scratching her. She tried to fight it off at first, but the fingernails would only dig in deeper. Through gritted teeth, Hannah said to Rose in Malay, hoping whatever it was that was attacking her didn't understand. Dear Charika, it's looking for you, sis. Rose didn't know what to do. She laid still for as long as she could. But she knew that if she didn't act soon, the presence would just move from Hannah to her mother. And just before she could jump out of bed, though, Rose suddenly felt overcome by an overwhelming sense of comfort. Hannah clearly could feel it too. Her crying died back down to sobs. The day after, 
she told Rose that it felt like a familiar warmth had settled upon her, dispelling that ominous chill. And after a moment or two of total silence, their mother stirred, a smile on her face, the first genuine smile they'd seen from her in nearly a year. Only one thought popped into Rose's mind then. Hannah's too. Dad. Rose says that Hannah and her eventually fell back asleep after about half an hour. The following night, however, their mother surprised them when she quite cheerily said that they didn't need to sleep in the same room as her anymore. After she'd gone to bed, though, Rose and Hannah decided, without a word, that they'd both share Rose's bed instead. We didn't want to be alone. Even though we knew we were safe, but just for one more night, she says. I mean, we were still kids after all. I nod and tell her that I understand. As we finish our drinks, we notice that some of the coffee shop stall owners have started to burn offerings nearby. Rose doesn't seem bothered by it. I can't tell if something's changed in her after telling that story, or if she's just more aware of her emotions now. Either way, I'm quite certain she's just glad that for another year at least, the Hungry Ghost Month is almost over. If you want to discover more of Southeast Asia's other side, subscribe now.